Welcome along to the ARC360 podcast brought to you in association with Solera Audatex, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Innovation Group, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response, as well as our partners, Aztec, the Green Part Specialists in Darsa and Prasco UK. Please do check out all of these businesses for any of your automotive claims, repair or supply chain needs. So welcome along everybody to the ARC360 podcast with myself, your host Mark Hadaway, where we catch up with some of the leading figures within the motor insurance claims sector. In this episode, we speak with Phil Peace, Managing Director International of Repairify, a leader in advanced technology tooling and remote diagnostic support. Phil offers up an insight into the evolution of the business from ongoing market growth in the UK and further afield to technological advances, business acquisitions, product development and future plans. He also reflects on how life may have been very different had he not chosen a career in automotive rather than accepting a job offer in banking. Enjoy the conversation. Okay, Phil, thank you very much for joining us, my friend. Uh, I hope all is well in the world with you. Very good, thank you. All good. Good stuff and uh, a recent break, so hopefully you're, you're feeling refreshed and energised. <laughs> Something like that, though, a lot of emails to catch up on. <laughs> as is always the case. Great to be here uh, and come down to the site in Luton as well, just around the corner from me, so even better. But yeah, we just had a little look around, really great to see what's going on. Demo of the, uh, the kit with one of the engineers here, so really, really good to see. Let's kind of just, well, I suppose start from the very beginning, really. So. Yourself, give us a little insight into your career journey to date and what Managing Director International Repairify Inc. entails. Okay, it's, got, it's been quite interesting. It's always been automotive. My um, uncle actually got me a job to start with in a Volvo dealer in, when I was 17 in the showroom, driving cars and, and doing the test drive. So I loved cars and it's, so ever since it's been automotive. I left there, went to Honda for a couple of years as sales promotion on the bikes. And then we did about 20 years in uh, leasing. So it was in Fleet Lease originally, which then became Itachi, now Novuna, and, and, and rose up to sales director in that role, was in Inchcape and also Velo on the fleet side of things. Uh, so it gave me a pretty good grounding because I was in various roles in all aspects of operations there. Then moved on to Solera back in 2012, where I was operations director originally for HPI. I was there for seven years uh, in various roles, actually. So HPI, we acquired CAP, uh, CarWeb, auto data so i was involved in all of those acquisitions and some uh, monopolies <laughs> inquiries which was quite a challenge and then on to hollander where i ran the hollander business which is their salvage management solution software solution that was an international role and i ran the business outside of the us and canada um, we were larger in australia for for that particular proposition spent 18 months as director of xvs during a challenging time in covid which i think we all know about and then Joined Repairify about two years ago now, firstly as a consultant to help with the acquisition of the red business and, and latterly responsible for the international business. In terms of the current role, uh, we operate the international division from two offices, one here in Luton, which is the head office, and our customer service and service centre up in Peterlee. That has the data centre and all of our tools within that location and the majority of our team actually. And we support the business internationally from those two offices currently, though we're looking at expansion. And we're currently in 20 countries or have customers in 20 countries. Um, so, you know, fairly large operation. For us, internationally focus has really been the crash repair sector and glass repair sector. And that's for around two reasons. One is 
that we tend to deal with newer cars with our remote solutions. Um, so we're looking at cars that have either got the software in an aftermarket solution doesn't cover those cars or those vehicles have a secure gateway on them and that means that you can only access them using OE tools. Our proposition has really been around supporting crash repair and crash repairers, glass repairers to calibrate, diagnose, program vehicles to make sure that they are fit to be put back on the road after an incident and we continue to look at driving that business forward with that proposition. Our US proposition is slightly different currently because uh, we're owned by a venture capitalist company. So our principal shareholder is a business called Kinderhook. Uh, we have two other large investors. One is Copart, the other is 3M. So we've got a fairly broad ownership structure in the US. As a result of that, the Aztec business, which was historically the core, has broadened and that core remote services business has now broadened into more of a, an automotive business that's focused on repair solutions. So we have the Aztec business, we own Blue Driver, uh, which is a diagnostic tool for the DIY market, largest selling tool on Amazon in uh, Canada and uh, the US. Uh, we have a software services division, which is basically a two-sided marketplace. And in the US, we've got 16,000 inspectors, they may be vehicle inspectors, uh, inspecting warranty for OEs or PDR technicians and we connect those 16,000 through our software platforms with customers that require those services. Uh, and then also we've got a training platform as well and learning management solution and we've just acquired a company into that as well. So it's been quite an acquisitive time, I think eight acquisitions over the last 18 months for the US. For us we're going to focus and we're currently focused on the, the Aztec piece which is diagnostic solutions both local and remote, and we will be taking some of the other elements of the acquisitions as we see fit and, and are able to bring them to the marketplace. Interesting times, that's for sure. Goodness it's, me, you've got a lot going times. on. times, yes, certainly has. And, and fascinating that you have kind of, I suppose, seen the automotive industry from, from many different angles. Um, I myself kind of, you know, had always been in the repair industry for many, many years and then dipped my toe into the fleet world and the, and the auction world. Mm. And all of a sudden you're kind of, I think my horizons were broadened into, I went from this space where I thought that was automotive and this was a big industry. And then you look at the swathes of vehicles moving around the globe and things yeah. like this. And it's just, you know, you realise how an important part of a, of a big cog that you are in, in this sector. Yeah, I mean, the industry, the vast elements of it. So we're... And this, is, this sector is particularly interesting because actually what we're doing does affect, whilst we're in um, repair, actually they're scanning vehicles within the auction sectors, they're scanning vehicles within remarketing, within vehicle movement companies. So there's lots of different elements to it. It's not just crash repair, you know, and what we're seeing particularly with our US colleagues is they're currently talking to lots and lots of different elements within the industry. So that creates opportunities for us as well. Yeah, yeah, within absolutely. different sectors of the industry, I should say. Interesting times ahead. So um, we'll, we'll perhaps come back to many of those, I'm sure, during the course of this conversation. But here at Aztec Repairer 5, we're surrounded by lots of clever technology. I've yeah. witnessed it down in the, on the shop floor today, and a lot of it designed to solve the problems of other technology, really. Uh, tell us more about Repairify or, or Aztec, as the case may be, in, in the UK, kind of in, in simple terms. What challenges do you solve and, and for who, really? Mm, OK, well, I'm going to focus on the collision sector for, for, the, for this particular piece. The key is, really, we're helping the body shops to get the vehicles back on the road safely. 
So our proposition is is two or threefold, and we've got two or three products that we're operating with in the UK. And interestingly, when I joined two years ago, I think the, the business was really about actually, it sort of sold our services and we provided the service, but actually we didn't necessarily do everything we need to do to help the repairer. And we've sort of changed the mentality of the technicians and our business in terms of looking at, okay, well, what's the problem we are trying to solve? Well, we're trying to help that body shop you know, to get the vehicle back on the road as quickly and safely as possible. Um, we're at the end of the chain of the repair. Yeah. I mean, we do we do pre pre scan reports, which is at least at the outset. But the majority of what we're doing is at the end, and that is we're either doing the post scan report and diagnosing faults that are still on the vehicle that may need that, that may need to be resolved, or we're doing a calibration, which is at the back end. And we do that in different ways. So we've got different products to do that. So we have a digital ADAS product, which is basically an, an ADAS product whereby we use a screen and reflect the image of the board on the screen so it make the actual setup and completion using that technology is much faster than traditional board technology so that's one of the products we then have um, both local and remote services so the local services are we've got um, tablets to diagnose calibrate and reprogram vehicles or parts in the traditional way where um, re repairers would have had a local tablet with aftermarket data. The other aspect is really where Aztecs come from and our heritage is on the remote services. And what the remote services enable you to do is to plug that vehicle in to one of our devices and then we will then connect that device with, so basically you, the technician will plug the vehicle in, they'll go onto our app and register and one of our technicians will pick up the fact that they've registered and start to communicate with the technician that's car side via the app via a chat function or a telephone but chat function is really good because it gives you the audit trail we'll then connect that vehicle to an oe tool and we only use oe tools in in our data center so we'll connect that vehicle to the oe tool and we'll either diagnose calibrate or program that vehicle depending on what's required. Our technician is watching it all the time and is communicating with the repair technician that's car side, telling them what to do, distances for calibration or turn the ignition on and off, etc. Um, and we take them through that whole process and at the end we provide them with a calibration report or a, a post repair scan report. And if it's a calibration report, we fully conform with the IAR code of conduct from Thatcham and uh, provide a certificate for that. Our data is also integrated with Outertech, so for ease and convenience, the, um, the data is uploaded into the Outertech system so that the engineer uh, or VDA can view that report, the calibration report, to prove that it's done and prove that it conforms. So we're using technology in various different ways, obviously very new technology in OEs and vehicle manufacturers. We're having to adapt and change and understand that um, to, to help the repairers to get the vehicle back on the road. And obviously, our, you know, all of our efforts are, are now focused on understanding, okay, well, what's the problem with that car? How can we help the repairer? How can we get the vehicle back on the road as quickly as possible? And the interesting piece that supports all of that is this kind of, you know, this audit trail that you refer to and, and the, the proof at the end of the piece yep. that, that everything is, is done correctly. Correct. So we, so we provide reporting, we provide a certification, um, and also, you know, if there's an issue or an event within our app, the repairer can go back and look at the chat that's associated and the conversation that's associated with that calibration, let's say, or we can. So if there's any query in the future, 
if we've used a chat, we can actually follow it right the way through. It's extremely powerful and gives an audit trail to support that certification. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which I'm sure all the, well, repairers, insurers, everyone alike, you mm. reference the IR code as well there, that uh, it satisfies, it ticks all of those those boxes accordingly. Yeah, and what is obviously, when I mean, we're talking about clever tech, I mean, what is happening more and more is, is that the OEs are, um, looking to support their vehicles and, and make sure that they're safe and make sure that they're put back on the road safely. So there is some t technology that they're applying, be it diagnostics over IP, be it protocols like um, uh, CANFD or, um, or secure gateways. So they're locking down those the vehicles so they can only be used with their tools or with their protocols and that means that generally they're trying to control the use of those vehicles with it or the diagnosis and calibration of those vehicles and that's really where our services come to the fore fabulous and we're having to adapt and as those new technologies come out then we're having to adapt to to be able to support them um, so there's a lot of work going on in our R&D centres in the US, constantly looking at new vehicles, the evolution of vehicles, what technology is used, not only in the vehicle, but what technology is used over the communication ports to be able to programme and, and, uh, and talk to the vehicle and communicate with the vehicle. And we certainly know that's a world that's, uh, as you say, it's, it's moving so quickly, um, yeah. you know, and, and to... To keep up is, is, is something, to kind of get ahead of the game is, uh, well, that's another Hugely question. challenging, hugely challenging, yeah. But big sums of money going into all of this development process and, and keeping on track of things. And, you know, we'll, we'll come back to the R&D side of it perhaps very shortly. So you, what is kind of, you know, as you see it, you deal with a lot of body shops in the UK, globally as well. You've mm. kind of got all of that, uh, you know, resource at your fingertips. So what's your perspective on vehicle technology, human resource, vehicle repair in general at the moment, what do you kind of see as, as Aztec, as Repairify? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think, you know, if we look at the marketplace, what's, what happened is Tesla made a step change in the market, accelerated electrification from a vehicle perspective, and the market's reacted, but it's taken a little while to react, and now it's really reacting you know, in force, as it were, and, and we're seeing the advancements of electric vehicles now and, and the growth in electric vehicles, driven by legislation, driven by the government, but also driven by the, the OE's desire to change, I think has really accelerated, and electrification has, has accelerated, as has technology. So the um, ADAS systems and development of ADAS systems right the way through now from some of the very small vehicles which you wouldn't have expected to have that, that degree of technology on. And obviously legislation in Europe around braking systems, etc., all of which are driving change so fast. So one of the challenges for body shops is actually keeping up with that change, and it's exceptionally difficult. Um, so if we talk about electrification and training and who needs training, do you just train two or three people in the body shop or do you really need to train everybody in the body shop? And I, I think, you know, as we evolve to it, it's going to be everybody in the body shop. But how quickly do you need to do that? Um, and, and how are you going to make sure that your direct work? So that's one, one challenge is obviously uh, the training issue around, around technicians. From our perspective, ADAS technicians, what we've generally found is that shops tend to train a couple of people, depending on the size of the shop, in, that, in, in the technology, and then they'll push the work through those two or three technicians that they've trained, and, it, and therefore that, that tends to work, because you can coordinate and manage the jobs effectively through mm -hmm. those technicians. Training's fairly straightforward, um, and, and, and 
Um, and, but obviously you need those people trained and accredited to conform with IIR. The biggest challenge we hear currently is, is, is getting resource. Mm. You know, I mean, there's loads of challenges to polish yeah, up, yeah. so at the moment let's not, <laughs> but one, certainly the one that we, we're hearing is resource and, and getting, you know, being able to access technicians and, and get technicians in um, and, and then train and develop those technicians. So that's, that's one of the big issues. Obviously, where does our technology help? Well, it, it helps to a large degree because the technician, if we're using the remote services, it's our technician that's got the knowledge and it understands how the systems work, understands what the challenges may be. So whilst they're running the reports, what they're looking at in the background is, okay, well, why doesn't that calibrate? What, what are the reasons that it might not be calibrating? We've got a huge library that they can refer to to identify what the issues are and then try and help the technician car side to resolve the issues. And, and one of the things, obviously, we've got a huge library. We're doing these vehicles every day, so we're seeing new things that are coming up. We're recording them. Every activity we record, so we create our own learning centre and, we, and that then massively helps the, the marketplace as they're trying to um, overcome issues on the local that they've never come up against before. Yeah, and it's really interesting because a conversation I often have with people, and, and it's one of the questions I kind of like to probe, is what are the jobs of the future within the, the body shop or the industry? You know, do all of a sudden, uh, does a body shop have a, you know, a digital technician who is solely dedicated to handling ADAS or EVs or whatever it might be. And actually, you know, Aztec Repairify itself, you've almost created a kind of completely new job profile or, mm. or you know, role within the industry itself. So it's a bit broader, but do you see that sort of filtering down into body shops as well? Do you think their body shops will become more specific with these kind of roles that they have? Or does it become more generic, in fact, with the likes of the support that you can kind of provide? As it becomes the norm, I think it will naturally become slightly more generic. You know, yeah. ADAS is still new to lots of yep. lots of people and lots of shops. So actually, yes, they have got specialists, but over time, it's like electric, isn't it? You know, with, you're only seeing a small volume in at the moment. So um, you have crash one repair centers, But over time, as it evolves, then actually everybody will become trained in it yes you may have some that are more expert yeah. in those in those areas but you do today don't you You have painters that can paint and then you have master painters so yeah. you know those things will naturally evolve as as the volume of vehicles with the functions interestingly the, the new world that you've opened up and I, you know i use you as an example but but it is it's created these kind of you know uh, digital engineers if you like yeah. does that help attract more people to the industry do you think so in terms of you know where would you be looking for for resource you know is it people out of the body shops i.e who understand vehicles or actually is it the other side where people who understand digital technology and technology more or you know is it somewhere in the middle yeah, it's a great question and i think it's both if i'm honest because actually what we're finding is the the technicians in the colleges that are coming out of college some of the courses aren't changing quickly enough yeah, yeah you yeah. know that's one of the challenges is that we're still we're still training on older vehicles and on older technology, and we have to get that training onto the new technology. But definitely what we're finding is, you know, some of the um, talent that's coming out of colleges is great, and we're able to take that and then overlay our training and our, and, and, uh, our processes on those individuals and help them to, to come up that way. So they've actually sometimes never worked in, in a shop. Yep. On the other side, we've got, you know, time-served technicians 
from both mechanical and body shops in our in our contact centre. So we tend to we tend to take both. People see it as a career change. They've done 15 years in a in a workshop and they've decided they don't want to be in a workshop anymore. And we're taking them into a you know what is an office environment really, and and they're they're sitting and working on screens. So they've had to adapt and change. And so they've bringing the knowledge and experience of time served in a shop and bringing that side and then learning the technology, whereas you've got the other side where you've got, you know, apprentices coming in that actually understand the technology but haven't got the time served to have the experience to know how to fault find in the same way. So we've got a blend of those things and I think it's really important that we do have that. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting to see it from both sides. And, exactly. And yeah, really interesting. So tell us more about the solutions. Uh, and, and as you say, it's been a, you know, a, a busy period. There's, there's lots of kind of integration mm. of, of businesses taking place. So the data, the tools, the technology, the supporting skill sets, you know, it's almost a, you know, this is your five minutes of fame, if you like, but, <laughs> but why should I choose Aztec or Repairify? Yeah, so I, I think because we're providing the solution, really, the tools and the technology is a facilitator to the solution. And the solution is to meet the customer's requirements, which is, that they've got a problem with that vehicle or they need to calibrate that vehicle, they need it back on the road. So from us on our core solution, which is Aztec, uh, which is the remote services solution, and that's really where we've focused our, our proposition historically, and that is the vehicles that are newer or have secure gateway. The proposition really is about getting that vehicle back on the road as safely and efficiently as possible. And we do that using technology that we've described earlier on and, and described on how how that technology works, but also with the quality of the personnel that we've got. Mm -hmm. So it's an overall solution. Um, and obviously all of our guys are trained, they're both uh, ADAS uh, level three and their EV level three. All people in our data center and our contact center are, are qualified to that degree. So our solution is about helping the repairer get that vehicle back on the road, accredited, qualified, certified, and, and ensure that it's safely back on the back on the road. The technologies, you know, as we discussed, is evolving. The, the our R and D center is, is constantly looking at vehicles. We buy vehicles, you know, we buy vehicles to test on. Uh, we lease vehicles to test on. We operate vehicles in the R and D center to try and find those nuances within those vehicles, and and then build the tools appropriately. And obviously, from a technical perspective, you know, there's been chip shortage. We've not really suffered from that ourselves but we are looking at the technology within the devices constantly how can we improve it does it need to be faster do the communication portals you know the way that we communicate with the vehicles how can we speed that up um, so all of that technology is, is, is we're constantly looking at it and we've got various tools obviously I talked there about a blue driver tool in Canada that we build that uh, in Canada um, so that we're able to research from that division, we're able to research from the Aztec division. So those elements mean that we've got great relationships globally with, with the technology providers, and we're really able to be at the forefront of the utilisation of that technology within our tool sets. Very interesting resource available. And I think what's interesting for me coming here today is to see that this is a an active functioning workshop, if you like. Yeah. I, you know, you're kind of living and breathing it on all sorts of vehicles it's not just you know the latest and no. cleanest ones that come in as of we've just demonstrated on so it's actually being there doing it you know having your technicians yeah. experience what's going on and we, and we learn from so we've got an eight bay workshop here in Luton and we learn from that on a daily basis we we bring vehicles in from local repairers that haven't got ADAS an ADAS solution themselves so we help the local marketplace but we work with various insurers and we we 
tend to get the problem vehicles. So we very much focus ourselves on, on helping to resolve issues that other people, particularly electrical issues, that other body shops just don't have the expertise to resolve. So we get vehicles directly that have been in other body shops, they send them to us when they can't resolve those issues. We get vehicles that the insurer intercepts with the knowledge that a body shop isn't going to be able to repair the electrical aspects and they're sent to us. We don't repair vehicles as a body shop does, but we deal with the electrical side of things. And, and that helps us in, in various ways, but the, the biggest thing it does is acts as a learning for us. So all of that information goes into our learning management system, which then can be used by our other technicians. Interesting But, but also it's a great asset really, because actually we're helping the market with the things that they can't solve. And, and you know, without us, that car may be totaled, you know, maybe a total loss and, you know, may, may not get back on the road and we're able to help Put that vehicle back on the road. Yeah, definitely. Just another piece of the jigsaw, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's good stuff. So, you just referenced kind of working working with with others and relationships that you might have with, with insurers and kind of special cases. Are there any case studies? You know, is there any information you can give us about what exactly might land here, who it comes from, and how it might be sort of supporting that? I suppose slightly different flow of, of, uh, of vehicles perhaps. We do various different things so if we talk about the workshop and how, how we've got live case studies I just talked about it in a little bit of detail so I'm not wanting to repeat myself too much. Stolen recovered vehicles where the wiring loom's been damaged um, we were, we, we're able to repair the wiring looms so we'll, we'll actually physically repair that wiring loom and it's where the body shop hasn't been able to do that they've just not got the knowledge or the experience to be able to get involved in the, to the detail of repairing that wiring loom obviously without that that vehicle's not going back on the road so um, so we reduced the, the, the downtime on that you, often what happened in the past was that vehicle was sent to a franchise repairer and they would, you'd have to go into their process, which may mean at the moment you can't get in. Um, and also the cost of the repair would be very significant. Uh, we're able to, obviously we've got the workshop, we're busy, but we can fit in a lot quicker than the franchise repairer. And, and, and our cost of repair is, is significantly lower than that franchise repairer. So there's benefits there in that we're getting the vehicle back on the road, but it's more costly and quicker. And, and, so, and, and, and so that helps both the repairer and uh, uh, and the insurer. And so that's on the repair side. Not the kind of work that a, a repairer would want no, anyway. No, uh, it's too yeah. specialist. They just don't have the, the knowledge and experience to do it. In, man, in, many, in most cases, I mean, some will, but yeah. generally, generally in most cases they won't. And then I think, you know, we, we work where, another example is we work with an insurer. We've worked with them and, and with them and the MBRA actually, and they've looked at introducing a flat rate for calibration costs. So whereby historically there was a big variances, people were going to, to local dealers, franchise dealers, they were doing it themselves, they were using third party contractors, uh, various different costing structures were coming in to the insurer which was difficult for them. So the insurer set a common level, an amount for a calibration and we worked with them to identify, okay well what is the right amount to pay uh, and help them to try to come up with that number and what were the costs involved so they could try and evaluate that and they've introduced that it's brought under control their calibration costs I would say they've still got some exceptions which they manage on a one-to-one -one basis but the repairers know where they are with it the insurer knows where they are it's brought their average cost of calibration down to what they would consider a controllable level though recognizing there are some exceptions and sometimes there is more work required and and that has really helped them 
in terms of controlling it, reporting on it, managing the managing the cost of calibrations, which has had a big impact for, from that point of view. So that's a, a good example of working with insurers and body shops as to how we've actually helped shape something and and uh, and put process in, but bring costs under control. Your business, we've we've already referenced it in terms of you know what's going on and, and the acquisitions recently, but you you are growing at a rate of knots. You mm-hmm. know, there's lots going on. So what is all of these different entities, and you've referred to it you know, specifically in the States with the training division that you've kind of just recently acquired and these things, but what is all this bringing to the business mm. UK-wise? And you've probably referenced that you've now got a big sort of you know library or reference pool to go to. And ultimately, how is that all going to or is supporting your customers? Obviously, there's lots of, there's been, I think, eight acquisitions. Um, some are relevant to us and some are what I would describe as US centric. So the training division uh, is based in the US, but what we're planning to do is bring the the process and the structure to here. So we'll support with the training division here. We're able to utilize their library here for relevant vehicles. So there's a lot that aren't relevant because they're US based. So we're able to pick elements of those services in the US and bring them here. There's a product in the US called ADAS Think. For various reasons, I'd like to have bought it to the UK sooner. We haven't got it yet. We're just in the process now of doing the development to bring that product to market. But what that product does is is it identifies the ADAS functionality and EV functionality on that vehicle. So it'll quickly identify what is ADAS on that vehicle and therefore for a repairer to know what they need to look at. And, and we can make it relevant to the claim as well. It, we can take the details out of the claim pull that into our system, it will say related to that claim is a front end. So there's a camera and a um, radar that need calibrating. We can identify the elements from an ADAS perspective that they need to look at. So we're looking at integrating that because that will significantly help both insurers, VDAs and body shops to identify what work needs to be done when they're estimating that vehicle. In terms of one of the other areas, uh, repair on repair on demand, which is our software division, are there elements of that we could bring potentially? But that's not something we're, I'm looking at at the moment because I want to make sure that we support our core functionality here, which at the moment is um, is the is the ADAS division supporting um, repairers in the in the repair of ADAS vehicles and using the technology and, and the information we've got to help that process. The software division, I think, will probably be something that does come, but maybe not in the next 12 months. We're growing quite quickly, so there's, there's a balance as to how much you can uh, how much you can bring through. Yes, yeah, Phil, Phil still needs to get some sleep at night, I think. So, exactly, uh, yeah. exactly right. One step at a time, but hey, it all sounds you know super exciting in the, in the ADAS Think piece. Again, yeah, I've had a little kind of you know, look at it previously when you made the acquisition. Clever bit of kit that is as yes. well. Do you see any gaps in the armory, and I use that sort of saying, but of vehicle claims repair sector where technology is at the moment, and you, you know, use the acronym, Dean used it at our mm. recent event, you know, the ACE, um, automated, connected, and electric. But mm. um, is there anything missing? Are, are we missing a link that might have a greater influence on the industry than we kind of initially thought, do you think? I think the biggest thing that's coming, and we don't quite know how it's coming, it's been talked about for a long time, is connected car. Yep. You know, for, for me, the information's all in the car. It's how we get it out of the car and how we're able to use in a usable format for all parties. 
and that and that's the challenge and there's organizations that are taking that data and working with oes to consolidate it but it has to be consolidated for organizations to be able to use it effectively so it's how for me that's the i'm not sure it's a gap yeah, no, but no, i no. think that's the next step is um how do we get that how do we access the data in the car so that we can use it to help us in the whole aspect of claim for you know obviously everybody's desire is ethanol you know that's absolutely because they capture the claim we understand that but it's not just ethanol it's that through the whole of the process you know so it's until we can get it in a consolidated format it's going to be difficult because you're going to have providing generic services like an insurer does or a repairer does to when i say generic services across the broad uh, car park then you're going to need to get access to all of the OEs. And unless somebody consolidates it, the cost of doing that would be phenomenal. So I think that that consolidation piece is really quite interesting. And I think that that's the next stage, the big step, as it were. Um, electrification, obviously, I think for repairers is, is a big challenge at the moment um, because we don't know what we don't know. And, and, and therefore, there's a lot that's now coming out that hasn't been necessarily articulated by the by the marketplace, by the OEs, and we're learning as we go along in, in many aspects. And that's I know that's one of, you know, you mentioned Dean at Thatcher, and that's one of the, the big challenges that, that they that they are talking about that faces the marketplace is, is how we deal with that electrification. So for me, yeah, connected electrification are, are really, really big. Obviously automated big, we're in it. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so we're aware of that, you know, we're aware of that develop the developments on that side of things and the technology there. Um, and we're we're very much focused and at the forefront of, of developing solutions for that. Um, and developing our existing solutions to be adaptive and make sure that we're constantly adapting so that we can support the market. It's such a fascinating time. It, it, yeah. it really is. And, and the connectivity piece, although not directly related to claims, but almost on a daily basis, I receive a read this report about the value of the connect, you know, automotive connected industry yeah. being worth however many billions in five, ten years time. And I still can't get my head around no. how, exactly what that is or how that will look. But it's, you know, it's obviously all there for, for the taking. Absolutely. You know, I talked earlier on, it's so fast. The, the last couple of years, the advances into vehicle technology. I mean, there's always been advances, but it just seems to have really accelerated in the last, well, let's say five years. Yeah, but really, really, yeah. Incredible pace. Let's go short term, because we mm-hmm. won't go too far ahead in no. the future. We've, we've just said Phil still needs to sleep at night. So what can we expect from Aztec? in the near future? So I think there's two or three things. Obviously, we'll continue to grow um, in the markets that we're in. So that means Europe-wise, we'll continue to increase our penetration into those marketplaces. Our product propositions broaden. So you know we're able to do local, remote. So by local, I mean we've got an aftermarket solution, we've got a remote solution, we've got an ADAS solution. So we'll grow that in, in the European marketplaces. We're talking to various different distributors, to body shop groups. So we've got, a, we, we sell through different channels. So we, we either sell direct to, um, to the body shops, MSOs or individual body shops. We sell through distribution networks. Um, so distribution channels in the traditional way. And we also white label the products and services. So we've got various different routes to market. We're looking at improving and developing all of those routes to market from a European and international perspective. So we're actually looking at markets broader and further away than, than Europe currently. So that's really interesting for us because some of those are fresh markets, they're new. And so development into those is, uh, is, is going to be really interesting because they're probably slightly behind us in terms of 
uh, timing and technology. Um, so actually, it's a, a training and an education exercise. Yes, you're there with product, but you're training and educating and trying to support the marketplace as they develop and try and understand the product, the importance of um, calibrating, diagnosing, calibrating, programming properly and, and getting some standards into those marketplaces as well and, and therefore being on committees and boards to help that and help that process. So that's really interesting and that gives us you know broader uh, international presence. ADAS thinks definitely coming so we're on the process of that. Uh, the training piece will also come alongside it. So they're the, they're the core aspects of what we're focused on at the moment, uh, UK and Europe. Uh, in terms of the software, I think I talked earlier, I think that would be slightly further away, but we'll definitely bring, the, you know, there's some really interesting software platforms we've got in the US, which could be used in Europe, particularly the PDR um, uh, platform, uh, which I think, you know, we, we've got, uh, we're interestingly, we've got PDR European PDR technicians on that platform in the US currently. That's definitely something that we could we could transition over to this marketplace. And, I, and I'm sure that the, the guys at our parent company are probably looking at some other acquisitions. Um, <laughs> so uh, just to keep us busy, so there'll be some new stuff coming in as well. So yeah, there's lots of exciting stuff. We're, we're evolving very, very fast here. Um, you know, we've got significant growth and, and we want to continue that. Watch this space, that's all we can say, watch this space. That's the easy part done. Now, yeah, now the difficult ones, yeah. the quick fire question round. Are you ready for this? Uh, I'm <laughs> Probably on. not. Come on, let's do it. This is, this is where it gets revealing. Okay, first up then, what one thing might not many people know about you? Well, for my sins, and it's been very painful after the, over the last few years. That was a, we had some successes last year, but I'm a Coventry City fan. Um, so trials and tribulations of ownership. Coventry City. Coventry City. <laughs> Super Sky Blues. <laughs> yes, well, indeed, Sky Blues, definitely. But uh, right, let's move on swiftly then. Okay. Go to number two. Yeah. Uh, what would your alter ego be doing as a career right now? This is quite an interesting one because I, when I was at uni, I just finished uni, I was working part-time, I got offered a job at a Honda, which I took, and I'd accepted. I was due to start in a week's time, and then I got a call from my careers office at college saying, we've got an interview for you at Citibank as, for a futures analyst. Ooh. I said, no thanks, I've got an interview at Honda. And I always wonder what that would have looked like. <laughs> so, that, so yeah, that's... Uh, Yes, yeah, so that was probably where my old alter ego would have been. I don't know. I always wonder, not with regret, but just with no, interest. No, no, of course not. No, no. Um, what did you study at university? Uh, business, business, business and finance. Yes, city. There you go. It was great grounding, to be honest. Really interesting uh, grounding. And I had two placements. One was with um, one was with Renault on, on Western Road in London, which was really interesting on the after sales side. And another was with Dale Rowney on paints, where I got involved in barcodes, but. Uh, not quite as interesting, but 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 good experience anyway. <laughs> right, what's the best bit of business advice you've ever heard, seen, or received, or given? Yeah, so given, uh, and and it was actually uh, when I was at Fleetly, so there was a, a gentleman there who was national sales manager called Chris Terry, and he sort of took me under his wing. I was, you know, fairly young on the sales side of things, and he just taught me the consultative sales process and to question and understand open questions and, and understanding and and closing. And um, and not closing in a in a harsh way, but but getting to understand, you know, the process of closing. And and he really, you know, he really gave me the foundation from a from a sales perspective, which which helped me on that commercial journey as well. Yeah. Um, and that was really the the 
that been of most benefit to, to me during the, my career. I think, you know, the key message out of that was challenge everything, and I've sort of adopted that as we go through. It's such, it's such a skill. It's yeah. such a great skill to have. It really is. I wish I had some of it. Um, anyway, uh, self-driving vehicles, should we ever get to that point for you? Yes or no, and why? I think we're a way off that point. I think we're a little way off that point. So I would say, I think it will eventually come, yep. but I think we're quite a way off it. So for the, in the short term, no, because I just think there's, there's too many variances that are unknown at this point in time. Do I think we'll get there? Yes, I do. And will we see you in one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, if the technology's there, then yes, yeah, yeah. of course. It's quite, I've had an electric vehicle for the last couple of years, and I do. I was saying to you earlier, yeah. wasn't I? I actually use the technology on it to a point where I think I use it subconsciously now, like lane assist. Sometimes, you know, I think you just accept that it's on and and that it's helping you. And so I think yes, I would. Yeah, but yeah, I sub subconsciously use the uh, use the technology. And that's the interesting piece about the technology. I think once you've got it and you've had it for some time, yeah. then try and remove it. That's the difficult Well, part. the interesting, you know, you, you realise you're using it um, and it's not that you're not concentrating, but, that, you know, the, if you've got the cruise on and, and it adjusts to the distance, then sometimes you end up, you know, you, you're talking or you're chatting away and suddenly, you know, you're driving along, you were doing 70, there's a car in front of you and it's, it's adapted and you're now doing 65 and then you look down, you're doing 65 and you've not realised that actually you've slowed up because of that vehicle in front, where as in the, you know, in the conventional vehicle, you would have just carried on at 70 and you'd have just smoothly overtaken yeah. that vehicle. So you know that it's, the technology is working in the, in the background. Doing exactly, uh, doing what, it's exactly, to do. exactly yeah. what it's supposed to do, yeah. Great yeah. stuff. Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for your time today, really appreciate it. All right, thanks very much, it's been very interesting. And I'm glad you've enjoyed looking around. Absolutely, catch up soon. So there you have it, everybody. A huge thank you to Phil for taking the time to talk to us. I hope you enjoyed the insight into Repairify's ongoing development as it helps to spearhead the advanced tooling and remote diagnostics movement. Keeping ahead of the game is a much coined phrase, but in this sector, it's an absolute must. Keep a lookout for plenty more from Repairify in the near future. In the meantime, many thanks for listening. You've been listening to the ARC360 podcast brought to you in association with ARC360 corporate partners Solera Autotex, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Cobart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Innovation Group, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response, as well as partners Aztec, the Green Parts Specialists in Darsa and Presco UK. Take care everybody, catch up with you soon.